0: Buddy, this is ETS on the Grid. I am your host Dylan Lockwood. Joining me as always is Aaron Hardick. How are you doing, Aaron?
1: I'm doing well, Dylan. I'm back from my extensive holiday travels and it's very nice to be back in Austin and back in my home quote unquote studio to record the podcast.
0: How was your How was your break? Did you have some of that chocolate pecan pie you were raving about?
1: I absolutely did have some chocolate pecan pie, and we peer pressured my mother into making yet another chocolate pecan pie after Thanksgiving was over because we just couldn't get enough of it. So I maybe had too much chocolate pecan pie.
0: (laughs) You lucky duck. Uh, When I'm down there next January, I I I hope you can convince your mom to make another one because I've been. I will
1: try my hardest.
0: Excellent. And our guest this week, we have the CEO and President of CPS Energy in San Antonio, 2018 Thought Leader of the Year at ETS, and just a just a friend to everyone here at Z Prime, Paula Gold Williams. Thank you so much for joining us, Paula.
2: Dylan, thank you so much for that great introduction, and uh, and I'm really glad to be here, especially since we're talking about food. I haven't had breakfast. You know, like, It's already gotten my attention that I've got to think about it. I got one for you, both of you. Have you had brisket pecan pie?
0: Brisket? Brisket? Brisket
1: (laughs) pecan pie.
0: Have you had that? I am not Southern enough to have even heard of this.
1: (laughs) Hey, I I consider myself rather Southern, but I have not heard of it, nor have I had it. Where does one go to get brisket pecan pie, Paula?
2: Well, well, to start off this podcast, I am going to give a little secret. There is a place in San Antonio called Jazz Texas, which is a you know it's not easy to get into a small place. They have a, a wonderful um, setup, but you you make an appointment and you go, and they actually have had a chef design their menu, and they don't have it all the time. But, but you can call ahead and ask if they have it, and around the holidays they make it. Um, and, uh, and ultimately it, I had it I've had it more times than I need to, but it is an amazing uh, you know combination of everything I love about Texas. Um, the, the whole uh, sweet and savory thing, totally awesome. So t- uh, Jazz Texas and San Antonio, uh, make put it on your list and, and you know that's kind of one of those wonderful, up uh, a pie variations that can only happen in our great state
0: that's that sounds amazing i will make sure to check <laughs> it out when i'll make sure to check it out when i'm down uh, in san antonio in in february for uh the city of the future event great transition dylan you killed it uh <laughs> yes yeah, the city of the future event where we talk about where we uh, partnered with UCPS Energy to talk about future cities, smart city projects, data, all that, all that great stuff that we that we know and love from this conference. Um, and this is going to be the second year we, we we've had it in San Antonio. Um, so Paula, you, you know, you I can tell just by that you were able to p- pull obscure pie trivia uh, out of, out of thin air that you know you, you're. You're an active uh, participant in the San Antonio community, both, you know, as a citizen and in your role as CEO of CPS Energy. So why do you see San Antonio as a hub for energy innovation? Uh, what is unique about that city that lends itself to that culture?
2: Well, quite a few things. Uh, well, you know, look, we, we thoroughly understand our um, the privilege that we have in San Antonio. We have been um the sole utility energy company um for about a hundred almost approaching hundred and sixty years. And um and so we, we talked to folks about a lot about when when we started, there were only eight thousand uh people in San Antonio and now collectively if you look across our full metropolitan area we you know we have about one point nine expected to grow another million. Now that's maybe not um, abnormal in comparison to just Texas is doing great it, we, we're doing great at, at attracting um, people businesses and interests overall it's a it's a positive but when we look at San Antonio and realize that our city alone seventh largest already is to pick up another million we are primed to make sure that we're thinking about innovation technology and new solutions for the the benefit of all the customers who exist today and all the customers that we're going to have in the future. Um, Additionally, we're municipally owned, and so our mission to serve is extremely deep. We look at our customers um, as also our investors, and so uh, we, we make sure that our services are affordable for customers, but we make sure also they get the best service that we can we can provide. And we are constantly giving uh, our customers the benefit of competition without the complexities of having to to overshop. That's not that's not to condemn any other market. That's just to say that we understand the value proposition. We are very well aligned to our owner, the City of San Antonio. We give them about a third of their generating um, general general. Um, Fund budget, and that means that's about 350 million dollars a year that we give back. We that money is used to support first responder, police, and fire departments, and we are in fact part of the the first responder network in San Antonio. So when we look at things, it's a deep uh, integral um, matrix of opportunity, and so what we want to do is bring all we can to san antonio in terms of thought leadership around energy we explore globally we bring those solutions and thoughts locally we were and i'd I'd add we were extremely encouraged and motivated by what ets um you know started out doing in terms of the work that in, in austin to think about energy z prime then we figured out how awesome z prime was And you all have helped us leverage our interest and really kind of bring in that dialogue, bringing in topics, bringing in people, and creating a venue where energy can be such a positive force in the future of San Antonio, i.e. the City of the Future Conference. So, you know, it's, it's all what we believe is we're in the right place at the right time, optimizing our strong history, deep roots, and our Ever um, evolving, first to try to think about how how great our future can be here in San Antonio.
1: So, Paula, let's talk a little bit about what you were just touching on, which is really this kind of intersection of the electric utility and city planning. How does what the electric what the electric utility does in terms of providing service and services? to the residents of San Antonio and how that intersects with other things going on at the city. And then maybe we can talk about city of the future and how those conversations are going to revolve around this area. But I think it's important to really make this connection. Where Where is the intersection between future city planning and the changing model of electric utilities. And I think really one of those key words right there is the changing model. And you, you're also talking about, you know, the changing economic landscape of Texas, of San Antonio. Why is it important to start to have discussions around this intersection of city planning, future of city planning, and and the changing business model of electric utilities?
2: Well, you know every you know every city. I probably I would say probably is thinking about this. I mean, I'm we're not trying to indicate that we are unusual and nobody's thinking about it. Um, and in fact, when people ask me about what you know what what does CPS Energy believe a smart city is and how do you define it, you know what I what I typically say is I don't try to define it because um, I think every city has to again look at its own landscape, look at its history, look at what what their citizens are interested in. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a 180 view of what people want. And so you can't say what would work in San Antonio will work in Sydney, Australia, or New York City, or Greenville, whatever. Um, but, but for us, we, we understand that we have a natural relationship with our owner, the city of San Antonio, and we, need, and we have a natural relationship because we are municipal, we're kind of a hybrid. We are a business owned by a community um, to do a particular function: provide energy. Um, in some ways, we're not we're not doing at all the same things. In other words, when when the city of San Antonio is trying to plan and forecast growth, um, it's 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 talking about city business. We're talking about energizing city city business. So there there are two streams of very different work. But what we thought about is. What if we strategically got on the same page and started to think that if we were building a smart city, it didn't need to be an, a smart city just from an energy perspective. It was a smart city from the perspective of the, the citizens and the community. And so the city brings its expertise, um, and when, it, when it's doing city planning, and coordination. We bring our expertise in terms of energy. Where we probably have a nexus point is developers, because developers have to deal with the city and they have to deal with us to make sure that they can build homes and and businesses and apartments and all those things. But what's even more often in San Antonio is the city of San Antonio also owns the water company. We have an affiliate relationship with the River Authority. We have an affiliate relationship um, with the Transit Authority and and we all collectively think about what is good for San Antonio. We believe that what is good for business is good for jobs, is good for San Antonio and we all bring our expertise to the table and we're all thinking about how do we optimize it. Um as an example, one thing we've done is together we we collectively talked about creating these these um innovation zones across San Antonio and we had the CEOs of all the organizations got together and said, well, how do we pick? And so we didn't want to pick the exact same types of areas for the same objectives. We start, We are thinking about use cases and um, issues in those particular areas. And we initially came up with three. And um, one of them is a medical center because it's a big employment area. Traffic is a problem down there. One of them is a downtown area. The real issue is um, everybody wants to revitalize it. And, and also make it more of a walkable city downtown. And the other is Brookspace Base um, San Antonio, which is um, a privatized base location that has been extremely successful at incorporating the citizens and exposing them to the, their success in recruiting businesses from around the world. They have many businesses from Asia, Japan, um, South Korea, um, Um, Europe, and so um, San Antonio gets a a, a huge flavor of of business, bringing jobs, but but, how do they support that? So what we're now having is these much broader, helpful um, discussions about how do you find and create a strategy that works, where we can all bring our suggestions, where we can know the general direction, where we can bring our expertise. And then, and then engage with the citizens in locations to pilot. And then the, the real benefit is once we pilot and learn, we'll be able to take it across San Antonio, take, take things to scale. So, um, you know, that's an example. And I guess the last thing I'll say about this is, you know, CPS Energy, like most utility companies, kind of did the foundational work of, of changing, for example, the metering system from an analog to a digital um, system so we're done putting all digital uh, meters across San Antonio and we have over a ninety nine percent penetration in those meters but and it was easy for us to talk about all that in terms of smart city but a couple of years ago i said look it's not important for us to own smart city it's more important for the city in san antonio to collectively be partnered and our owner the, you know the, the council and the management team we want them to own the smart city narrative but i've also told my team the important thing is it's like being in a car sometimes we have to be the driver sometimes we've got to lead. We've got to get meters in place so we can start building with devices and networks but then sometimes when the city of San Antonio is ready to leave, we're going to be a navigator or we're going to be in the backseat thinking about how, you know, the, the route of where we're going and keeping the driver awake and the navigator awake. You know, leading means you know where to fit in at the right time. You take ego out of it and you don't think about a, a single win, you think about a collective win. And so that's why, again, I think we're just ripe for this optimization and we're doing it in a way that works for what we believe and what we're all passionate about. And we're finding these, these nexus points and our big broad strategies that is, that is ultimately going to be the key to the future and doing, and doing great things here in, in San Antonio, Texas.
1: I want to backtrack a little bit to something you said there very at the beginning, at the very beginning, which is, you know, San Antonio isn't the only city that is addressing this and, Another thing that's, um, you know, not well defined is actually what a smart city is. And you can go out on the internet and you can find, you know, a a few different definitions of it. One that I think that it's pretty helpful is Denton's definition of a smart city, which is a smart city modernizes digital, physical, and social infrastructure and integrates all essential services for the benefits of its citizens by harnessing advances in sustainable technology to make those services more efficient, useful, innovative, and equitable. But what you also mentioned is that is that is particular to each city. Like you said, what happens in San Antonio may not be the best fit for another city. Can you kind of talk about how you and your specific role make sure that CPS is engaged with the community to meet the needs, the specific needs of your community and how you kind of try to embody that as a leader within your organization. Don't mention, you know, you're clearly very in touch with the community, with your your knowledge of of uh, brisket pie. But can you just talk about how your specific role and and how you kind of tried to make sure that CPS as an organization stays in tune with what the city needs and what really the the citizens of the city need?
2: Well, you know, absolutely. I could, you know, I'll, I'll start with uh, I'm from here. You know, I grew up on the east mm-hmm. side of San Antonio. And, um, you know, never, ever assuming I'd have the privilege to run a company, let alone an energy company, at a, po- at a point in time where the whole industry across the globe is evolving. And, um, and I'm, I'm running what I would, you know, always tell people, I run an engineering, analytics and operations company, 24-7, 365. Interestingly, I'm not an engineer. And um, and so I I realize that uniqueness and um, focusing on uh, inherently maybe non-engineering, non-analytical um, solutions is really important. My predecessor, Dor uh, Benby, you know, he he actually said on the way out the door, "You're not an engineer," and I had and I, I as I watch you, I know you're not going to do things the way I did them. Because I I was I grew up in this industry and and I came through a certain way I've given you all the gifts but now you got to figure out how you're going to do it I definitely felt like um, for me being from here and understanding the importance of people people make the difference people people make you feel they can make you feel really bad but but the great thing is they can really make you feel good they make you they can make you feel like you know, they care about you. They can make you feel like they, there's empathy for you. And and so it wasn't, I, it wasn't, it just kind of was epiphany that it was about putting people first. That is in fact the foundation of what we do and how we think. And so for me, from, from day one, it has been about getting closer to um, our customers, getting closer to, um, at, at every spectrum and kind of understanding how difficult it is for a small business. A small business wants energy solutions and they want to think about a smart city and they want to think about technology working for them to make their lives easier. But you know what? They are they are both the CEO, the plumber, the cashier, the accountant, um, and the strategist. And so it is it is our constant. Objective to put ourselves in our our customer shoes, to put our, ourselves in everyone's shoes, and stay connected and and making sure that we are in the moment and every interaction that we have. Fundamentally, you know, here's here's a, a, an example or, or or so about this. So, in our company, instead of telling our what we call energy advisors, these are expert people who who answer the phone. Instead of telling them. Hurry up and get off the phone so you can prove our stats and make sure that you answer 90% of the calls in 30 seconds, But and it's a volume game. So when, once it's done, you, you get them off the phone and you pick up that next call. We say, stay on the phone. Ask them, do you know about this program? Is there something else I can do to help you? Um, Did you know about, um, you know, our flexible path or did you know about our programs associated with affordability assistance or the REAP program? We have a a huge program where if somebody's struggling, we can contribute. This comes from donations. This comes from um, additional funding. We can give people bridges to help them make it um, through a tough time. And so our calls actually get longer. They don't get shorter, they get longer and we get so much value out of out of that you know the customers don't feel like they're rushed don't feel like you don't want to hear what their problem is um and then dismissing them like we we totally understand that adds no value it's the exact opposite and so we actually think about providing or service to our um customers in our community the best we can and um it just means to go above and beyond it means um it, it, you know I kind of I kind of tell everybody in our organization, our three thousand employees, you all have S's on your chest. You don't understand when people's power goes out, you know, how meaningful it is. They don't even understand it until it goes out if a if a storm comes through or a car hit pole or or whatever. When those lights go out, that you know, it could be it could be such a big difference. And so it's our constant privilege to know that we are here to to think about today, and to think about um, what are we going to do for them tomorrow. That's going to be better than than we had imagined. What what are we going to do that's going to set us up to provide better service in five years, and ten years? And that's our privilege, and that's our honor. And um, as a as a team of three thousand people serving almost two million people, it ain't easy, um, but it's fulfilling, and it, and it speaks to. The passion I have for for this community. You know, there's a lot of people who don't like everything that we do, but that doesn't matter. We take the feedback and we take it and try to make ourselves better.
0: And you know that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, first off, just from a general community perspective, that being you know a a member of the community, being having a having a pro. a proactive relationship with your customers rather than what they might see as an antagonistic one is obviously just better for everybody better for that environment but it, specifically in terms of uh, developing these future cities that we're talking about uh, in san antonio do you find that have you found that it's easier to get public buy-in on new projects because you've taken the time to build these relationships or are there still significant are there still significant roadblocks and getting, getting stuff online. I like, I know you said that 90, you have 99% digital metering. Um, we, here in Spokane, we just like did mass deployments of, uh, of smart meters throughout the city. And there was a lot of, uh, public pushback, public pushback to that. So I, I'm curious if you still, if you still are, uh, feeling, feeling those kinds of pushbacks when you want to move forward with initiatives, or if you find it's been a lot easier since you've, uh, done this, uh, people people first uh uh public image and internal uh process strategy
2: well that is a that, that is such a good question because i feel like the landscape is extremely hard period i mean i, I don't I, I i think i think in general you know if you if you if you go home and you watch hours and hours and hours of news hours and hours and hours of news, right. Um, it's overwhelming. And if you really kind of look at it, a lot, a lot of it's kind of negative in it. And then I think, you know, if you look at headlines and you look at social media headlines, there's just this general tendency to think, you know, those big old fat cats in that big energy company that I, you know, they, they, they're pushing power, but they're probably not even thinking about me. It's so easy. I think just in general, it's hard to get people to think about the goodness that happens because the you other know, you know, part of it is that they're busy. They're they're working. They've got families, and so the little bit of things, even though we do a lot of effort to to re- you know reach out to them, and the grand scheme of things, a customer can go all year long if they don't have an outage. They're not going to call, and they're not going to worry about it. And so I don't think anything that we do is easy anymore. I think we have and we have people with strong interests and beliefs. we hear from them more, and they're they're on both sides of of arguments and It's never like one or the other. there's somebody who wants you to move faster. there's somebody who doesn't want you to change at all they want to keep that they want to keep that leader by by goodness um so I feel like the landscape is difficult and even you know I talk to my people often about um the way we used to do things, even though we're we're more open and we're more interested, we've still got to think about more ways to be transparent and more ways to back up explaining the why and putting it out on our website and trying to go out. We, we, we send ambassadors all across San Antonio all year long to talk about our strategies. Anybody who will listen to us, we will go talk to you. And so we're spending a lot of effort to try to tell the good stories, to try to to answer the questions, to try to explain alternatives and all that. So I don't think it's it's easier per se. But I'd say this: if we didn't have a people first purpose and foundation, if we if we stayed the company that we were about 10 years ago, where you know we were just we were just providing power and there was no two way flow, there were no devices on the system, there were not DG wasn't really you know a thing like it is now. I think we would be in the hole, and, our, and, and the, the general census wouldn't be hard. It would be insurmountable trying to get things done. I kind of tell my people, hard is the new normal. You know, don't assume. Don't, don't think that people understand that you're doing it for a good cause. You've got to tell them, and, you gotta, and if, they'll give, if they give you 10 seconds to use it, if they give you two hours, fill it up and take every opportunity that you have. And that's just, that's just a new thing. Change is is a interesting thing and we're living it and we're evolving. And so I, t- I tell everybody, we just gotta get faster, stay faster, stay more nimble, stay open to criticism, open to input, open to push back and then, and then be willing to be at that table and say, okay, I hear you, let me tell you, let me give you some more information. Let me make sure that you, you understand the comp- complexity of that. Let's make sure that you understand um, certain certain things that people propose are devoid of facts and physics. It's all emotion, right? Um, I'm emotional, but I got to put in facts and physics <laughs> to make it to make it according, uh, to to work. So it's it's good work though. I mean, we have we have been a leader in solar, a leader in wind. We've had we have one of the biggest energy efficiency and conservation programs in the state, and that will probably the biggest. Um, we have done more outreach. We have more um, programs for people. And I just still feel like it's not enough. We just got to keep going. Um, so we can, we, can, we, can, we can list for you all these accomplishments, but we don't rest on our laurels. Um, we just got to keep going out there competing, being better, but making it interesting because it really is. You know, 10 years ago, you couldn't get anybody to talk about energy. <laughs> so I tell people even if they don't even if they don't like what we're doing it's amazing that they're all talking about energy and and what are we going to do with it. So so the hardness is okay. The toughness is okay.
0: You've got a very you've got a very uh unique very I would say progressive uh outlook on how to and how to run a utility. Is this uh is your guiding philosophy something you sort of developed through the rigors of the job or did you did your Path, did your path to to that job and, you know, your background kind of inform um, your outlook and how to run a utility?
2: Dylan, I would say both. I end up talking to a lot of people, you know, people, students, um, high school, college, young professionals, and a lot of them asking questions about my path and journey. And, you know, one thing I always say to them, I will be glad to tell you what my path and journey is, but I would recommend that you don't do anything the way I did it because, you know, I made, I've made tremendous amount of mistakes and stumbles and, and trip-ups. But I will say, today where I sit, I can look back on my first year of employment and realize I learned something there. You know, I learned about diligent work and, um, you know, what it was going to take to make me successful. As an example, one of my, one of my, um, one of my schoolmates when I was in college uh, had a photographic memory. And i didn't realize it until we were about to graduate he kind of confessed and he was a guy that kept you know busting the curve i was a good student but he was like a stellar student and i and i and somehow i thought why is it that he's always like laughing you know not just me but everybody and then i said well he's got he's got gifts i don't have so i had to figure out what gifts my what 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 was i going to do and mine was more about hard work and thinking things through and trying to make connections, not people connections, connections of value, where the value is, and then appreciating how much a team can get done. Individuals, you know, golf is an individual sport, you know, maybe it's a two person team, but teams like a football team, they, you know, that's, that's an amazing thing because between them and your backup string and everybody who's like, you know, kind of working through the same thing. I mean, I built those foundations of really, really enjoying teams. And matter of fact, I inundate my, my organization with, with um, sports analogies about it, but, but I can look at that year. I can look at 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I entered the industry and didn't know, I didn't even know what kilowatt hour was. Um, And I think about all the learning that I have for now, now it's in this, big pool of resource it's in this big appreciation about um realizing that sometimes failure is the best teacher in life and people who can come out of the ashes and and never let failure hit them in the same way again are stronger better team members it's not about pedigree it's it's really about the substance and the character that people have and what they're willing to do to be better and add value and so this philosophy that i have is a culmination, and um, and and then understanding the responsibility of every role I had. So when I was a CFO, I had a responsibility to kind of be a sounding board to the CEO, and I found a way to give, you know, to give value back to the organization and start to anticipate where he was trying to take the company and the strategy. But when I became CEO and I had to set strategy, right? That role requires something else. And that, and that role, as much as people think it's great, and that you control everything, in reality, you don't control anything. Your three thousand people are running around all over the place, and you have no idea. You gotta trust them, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know when to dig in like ten layers deep to ask them questions. You gotta know how to align them, but you gotta you, most of the time, you gotta just be able to let go, right? And so when I, when I when I got to this role and thought about the value of that and what it would mean to trust three thousand people to do the right thing you know day in and day out, and to think about customers in terms of being the lifeblood of of what we get a privilege to do you know it it still was a combination of all the appreciation and all the gaps and all the things I learned along the way and i and I'll end with this that um, you know when I came in. And even to this day, you will talk to people and they go, the rate payer, you know, the rate payer, you got to protect the rate payer. That sounds, I I, I can't, I I always talk about this. That sounds like the most impersonal third party, um, uh, you know, anointed approach about the rate payer. Every person is a customer and a person. And um, if I think about a rate payer, I don't make a connection. If I think about them as a person. And, and putting them first, then, then that changes the incomplete dynamic. And so it, it, it is just still this this belief that people are important. And so I'm, I'm blessed with being able to, to take the, the old things I did and the new awakenings that I have and put it all together and use it as a guiding post to lead this
1: company. Referring, just referring to our customers as rate payers, it, you know, it it actually sounds, you know, quite ridiculous now. So one thing that I I did want to say, because I I think it's kind of silly. You said that you know you had a lot of failures along your way, and and you wouldn't advise folks to do things the way you did. But I think what we've found is failure is one of the catalysts to success in many ways. I mean, you are a very notable thought leader in the energy space. C-Prime has recognized you as thought leader of the year and you've won many other accolades to speak to that. So I you just kind of gave some advice to folks who are, you know, kind of in maybe the higher up the the c sweep, but I was wondering if you had any advice for the folks who are interested in getting into the energy space in general. I listened to an interview you did with the KLR, KLRN public television station, the podcast, and you mentioned something along the lines of you just kind of said yes to a lot of things and that's yeah. how you've got into the position that you are today. So what advice do you have for some of this younger folks that aren't really sure how to, you know, be impactful, impactful or kind of pursue a career in this space? What advice do you have?
2: Um, I mean, like you hit a lot of the things that I believe, you know, um, one thing I would say that I don't normally talk about as much, you know, stop thinking there's a magic recipe out there for your success. Like, like I, I when I was um, when I was a, an auditor in, in my background, I remember I had I was working. Yeah, I'd only been working about a year, and I looked at my supervisor, and I felt like I didn't really know. There must be some secret. Everybody else knows stuff, and they're 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 better at things than I do, or they're figuring out things, but I I like when will I make that step where where all will be revealed and I'll be in the club and everybody will I will know what they know and and uh, somebody's holding out on me. I I kept thinking about it. it was this 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 thing that I could shoot for that I could see and you know uh, he he said to me you'll know when you know and I'm like well that is not helpful in any way but there it, it isn't about a magic secret sauce or a perfection, right? It's not about perfection. Um, life isn't perfect. Actually, what I think uh, more so is I don't need perfect people. Perfect people are rigid and lacking creativity, and and um, they won't do certain things. They won't get their hands dirty. They won't, they won't dive into a problem because they don't want to be labeled with a failure. I don't have any interest in people who are about perfection they're insecure because if they have a failure oh my god the world is the world is falling around their heads i don't have time to make you feel good about your imperfections that's not the work the work are the people that are going to go in and go you know what that is a mess paul you got a ton of stuff to do i'm going to go in there and try to detangle it and 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 if everybody goes in and just leaves and tries to detangle it and then comes up with solutions, actions, and starts what, what I call having action-enabled strategies. Make it, not just sitting, participating about what could be and how bad it could be and where to go. Just lean in and realize that imperfection is in fact an opportunity. It's, it's, it is the opportunity. Imperfections, are where that's where the work is. Your ability to shape, then that's your your ability to shape the outcome because when it's imperfect and it has to be fixed, you go in and fix it, people notice, oh, my God, wow, Erin just fixed that. She's a a can-do kind of person. I'm not sure I had the energy to do that or the capacity, but she did. And so so I said yes to a lot of things. I said yes, I often talk to people, I said yes to the worst projects. One, nobody was competing for them, so I knew I was going to get it. Um, but but two, they, they gave me the most creativity. They, the People didn't know what the outcome was. They just wanted it fixed. And so um, letting go and realizing that it's not about perfection, that it's not about your ego, it's not about your image, it's not a profile, it's about substance. It's about character. It's about um, being that person who can go um, ten layers deep on something and come back. And be able to vacillate between the detail issues and the strategy, and then align that to where the bigger picture is. That's value. And any no nobody has a lock on it. That it's not a um, exclusive club. It is all opportunity. And when you look at an industry that is about to evolve, I say every anybody who's interested, come in now because when change happens. When disruption is possible, when evolution is on the horizon, um, that's where most people can jump in and you you stop having to worry about whether or not you got 5 years or 10 years in the industry, it doesn't matter. Anybody can enter, anybody can excel, any background can work, it is just the passion to come in and create, the passion to come in and, and work through and solve things to be solutions-oriented, um, you know, it's, it's not degree-driven. Uh, I would even tell you, in our organization, you don't have to have a degree to make it to executive. We don't, we, don't, we don't over-focus on that anymore because we believe the opportunity is all the expertise they have and do they have the ability to learn? Do they have qualitative skills? And we don't care about what your what your pedigree looks like anymore. It's all substance it's also it's interesting but so what so what you might have went to the top college in the world but if all you can do is like regurgitate we don't need that so I think it's super exciting I think uh, I I really believe that there's so many entry points into the industry there's so many turns I think um, expanding your skills across the spectrum don't don't be narrow right just you know, you can work at a solar company, you can work at a utility company, you can work at a, thought, a think tank, you can work at, you know, all of these things. And then and then move around, get different perspectives, um, bring your expertise, put in your learning cap, be part of the future Is is my thought.
1: I just have to say it's so empowering to hear an executive in the energy space talking about this because... I was one of those people who just kind of found myself in energy. I have a background in accounting. I don't do anything accounting related and I thought that, you know, that that may that may inhibit me from being a, a productive member of a, an organization that's in energy, but it turned out not to be true, thank goodness, and I have to give a shout out to our CEO, Jason Rodriguez, because to be completely transparent, I'm not sure anybody at Z Prime does anything with a degree that they have from school. They all have, we all have completely different jobs because he gave us the opportunity to pursue something we were passionate about and apply our problem solving skills to those things. And he didn't keep us in a box and allowed us to be creative and solve problems different ways. So I just want to, to tell you that you know, I find it very empowering. And it's definitely uh, something that needs to be continuously articulated to other people to continue to gain diverse thought perspectives and, and new talent and, and new creativity for the industry. So I, I really appreciate and, and respect that.
2: Well, um, Aaron, you 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 um, held that secret that you were also an accountant. I you know it's.
0: it's
2: <laughs> From one accountant to the other, it's um, it's fascinating, right? Because I'll say this about myself. I'm I'm truly an introvert, right? I mean, I, I, I can sit behind the computer and look at numbers, and it all speaks to me. But I'm an extroverted introvert who's given an opportunity to do something. And um, you do an amazing job. I would have thought that your background would have been different. But I believe that, you know, people's foundation is just where they start, not where they end up. And I have to also give a compliment to Jason. Um, he is, he, he looks at people in terms of um, new opportunity and he doesn't, he doesn't uh, sit there and, and put people, peg them and limit them. Um, he, he is open to the most creative thinking and uh, I know many people on your staff and, and it's just been a, a great way that he's put you all together. Again, not limiting what your backgrounds are, but encouraging you to follow your interests, um, letting you be inquisitive and letting you um do things that that maybe that wasn't what your training is, but your passion alone is a differentiator. So compliments to you, to Jason, to the G Prime organization, to you, Dylan, for this wonderful um interview. Um it's a good thing you put all the questions together. You did all the hard work. So well,
0: thank you. Uh yeah, that, that I, I have a political science degree for what it's worth. Uh, we're brushing up against time, but I would be remiss if we didn't get to talk a little bit about City of the Future. Uh, like I said, it's it's coming up February 24th and 25th, San Antonio, Texas. We're going to be talking about the programs, the technologies, and the mentalities that are going to be needed to bring cities uh, into the future. Paula uh, looking forward to seeing you there. What are some of the discussions that you're most interested in in hearing about from, from leaders around the country?
2: You know, um, you know that is a uh, – that's a great question. I mean, the, the group has kind of shown me preliminarily what, you know, some of the topics and activities are. But, I mean, I guess ultimately what I want is I want to find – I want to make sure that we're having the conversations again about – increasing the engagement and knowledge of a wide group of people that have diverse um, needs and beliefs. Um, again, a business, a person who works in a big business or runs a big business has a, has a different perspective and need than someone who just launched um, a, a small business or someone who, um, you know, a resident and and the, the wide range of things that our are, are residents having are interested in. I, I think again trying to figure out how we can have conversations about how do we bring these technologies closer to them, how do we bring their interests, how do we make sure that they understand what's possible and what's going to take a whole lot more collective effort for us to find new solutions. Um, you know, what what are new technologies that will ultimately get us where we believe we should be in 2050 of making those digestible conversations for the average citizen. There'll be a bunch of experts um, you know, at that meeting, but I think we, again, have to not get caught up in our technical ability to spat out a million acronyms and impress each other. It is about, again, our ability to serve others and bring them in and benefit them and, and, and that kind of thing. We will end up bringing in quite a lot of our people through the process because they're they're evolving with us, and then we will invite um, customers, students, uh, you know, uh, different business leaders, civic leaders to also kind of you know experience this engaging conversation. That just needs to be at a you know you know tr- we should be, we should feel like we're breaking bread and relaxing, but but having these important discussions about what are our next steps over the short, medium, and long term.
0: My final question for you, Paula, it would be what's on what's on the horizon for you? What's something you're about to engage in that, that excites you?
2: We have introduced here in San Antonio, I mean, a, um, a, a next phase of our evolution. And, and keeping in mind that we're building on quite a few things. We, we closed uh, two older coal units. It took us six years to effectuate that plan. And we did it all without having to lay off um, wonderful people and impact families. We we had a a significant plan where we where we started retraining people, um, preparing them, talking to them. Um, ultimately, uh, we used contractors that that do a lot of temporary work where we needed to to fit in nutrition, and then we were able to move all our people around. So our things take a long time to do, but but that was a huge milestone. Um, we we just got through getting our first leg of a um, 10-year, maybe 11-year program on energy efficiency and conservation. We came in under budget, and we came in about a year early on those programs, and now we're looking at the ability to create a new energy efficiency uh, and conservation program. We call that Step Shape for Tomorrow Energy Plan, and then we're going to try to go to Flex Step, and Flex is part of our mantra about We've got to stay flexible. We've got to stay vigilant and looking at what is on the horizon and what new technologies need to be brought into San Antonio and how do you again put them and put them in the hands of your customers and make it easy for them to start thinking about not just you know electrification but conservation and how do you make that all balance in a way that is still a great business model but it, but it, it is evolving. So in the next uh in the next year in particular we're going to be we're going to continue on this effort but it'll be it'll be more flexibility um more assessments we have kicked off an analysis we are studying economies around the globe we are looking at why in this place it does there um does their smart city program look like this? And why is it that they're able to make certain programs work? And why have certain ones failed? And so we're in huge learning mode that again isn't going to get less, it's going to get more. Uh, we got to, we got to put ourselves in learning mode around the cyber aspects of smart cities. So, you know, this, this flexibility is really our constant reminder that what worked Five years ago is not what we have to be locked into today, and it is nothing like we can um, expect to be our opportunities a couple years from now to 25 years from now. So what I'm excited about is this, you know, we're changing our culture. We're opening up more. We're realizing that this learning mode and this flexibility matters. We're getting the community to think about why flexibility is good and why flexibility um, isn't ideology. We are practically looking for technical solutions that work where we can both, um, where, where we can keep things affordable for customers, where we can provide reliable power, where we can put in more resilient solutions, where the environment is gonna continue to be improved, where security is important and everybody's kept safe. And so that, that means again, we have an opportunity to beat our performance from last year. We have an opportunity to step forward in our long-term plan to evolve and have another 160 years of serving this community. So I can't say it's one particular thing. It is the whole ability for us to know that we're going to learn and grow in next year and that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to touch more customers. We're going to get our message out. We're going to listen to pros and cons, and we're going to we're going to take action to do better and provide better opportunities for all of the customers in San Antonio. So I'm just excited, uh, you know, about what 2020, right? What, what 2020 will bring, um, and then and then 2020 is a springboard to the future.
0: Well, Paula, thank you very much for that insight, and thank you for being on the show with us today. I'm Very happy to have been able to have this conversation with you. Uh, yeah, again, thanks for being on.
2: Well, thank you, Dylan, and thank you, Aaron. And, I'm, you know, you tell me when you get to San Antonio, I'll try to set you up on that brisket pecan pie.
0: I'm holding you to that. <laughs> holding My you to that for sure. My
2: pleasure, because I get to have some if I find an excuse to get you some.
0: Mm. <laughs> I'll be thinking about it. I'll be thinking uh, about it.
2: Very good. Well, thanks for your, your this opportunity. It's, it's another way too that we, we also share these things out with our community and the links and it's just one more thing. And, and, and when they can see a an organization like Z Prime, um, uh, focusing on San Antonio Law and allowing us to kind of tell our story, it matters. So, so thanks again and tell so Jason I, I really appreciate the partnership.
0: I will do that. Thank you very much. And Aaron, thanks for uh being on and talking talking to Paula with me today.
1: As always, Dylan, it was a pleasure. I'm excited for brisket pie. One other quick thing I did wanna mention, Paula Paula noted that at City of the Future, we're going to have, you know, quite a great lineup of people from Chicago, Detroit, the city of Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Orlando. So we're going to have, you know, quite, quite a good national representation there. So really also looking forward to City of the Future. Super
2: exciting.
0: Yes, and for those of you who are interested in finding out more about City of the Future or registering, you can go to cityofthefuture.io, so cityofthefuture spelled out .io. And as always, you can find our research and media at etsinsights.com. You can find us on social media at dylockwood, at aaronhardick, at zprime underscore research. Also make sure to check out at ets underscore conference as we get put out more information about upcoming events. My name is Dylan and we'll see you all next time.